Welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagy, Enneagram 6, Life Coach for Sixes. In this episode, we're going to talk about empowerment, disempowerment, how that goes for sixes, what we can do to get more of our power back into our bodies and into our lives. I hope you enjoy. Hello, sixes. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I have a couple logistics to talk about at the top here. Where to start? I got some feedback recently that really, one, it broke my heart. Two, it made me realize that I just am not clear about certain things on this podcast. So I decided to clear some things up. Who are the clients who are the best fit to work with me? The feedback that I got from a couple actually pretty close friends who are sixes is that they would not feel confident enough to join my program because they don't think they know enough about the Enneagram. They feel like they know their sixes, yet the whole rest of it is just confusing. They don't know that much. They think that they need to know a lot to come be a part of the group, to kind of be in the know, to understand what's going on. And those are actually, I would say, the best fit clients for me. You know you're a six, you've done some self-development work, but the whole system of the Enneagram you don't know. It's kind of befuddling to you. Maybe you know this, don't know that. Your depth of knowledge of the Enneagram is so unimportant to working with me. And in some cases, it can really be a hindrance. So yeah, I'll just leave that at that. It, it's not at all bad or not a good fit if your Enneagram knowledge does not run deep. In fact, I would say it's a bit of an asset to come and work with me really in my program. And I'm going to do an episode soon where I interview or just have a conversation with some members of the program. We don't do a ton of Enneagram work. In the program that I have created, I teach the the base level of Enneagram knowledge that we need, I teach it in the program and it's it's just not that much. To me, the most important thing is, are we, uh, do we have enough knowledge to actually, no, that's not even what I want to say. Do we have enough ability to put into practice whatever the knowledge is that we have. And so, of course, one of the pitfalls of six is to get stuck in the land of knowledge and wanting to know and to understand and, you know, you all know. And that can get obviously very, very, very heady. And the the work for six is not to be in the head. It's not to understand things more. Although, I mean... I'm all about a moment of understanding. Do not get me wrong. <laughs> like I love to do all that. And I'm all for people doing all that, of course. However, when it comes to actually working with me, being in my program, we don't do a ton of, I'm going to call it 
Enneagramming each other. Have you ever been Enneagrammed? Has anyone ever been like, oh, well, you're a six. That means you dot, dot, dot. Or, oh, that's your instinct. That means you dot, dot, dot. I got totally Enneagrammed the other day. It just does not feel good. It does not feel good for someone to think that they know about you because they read something in a book or whatever. It's kind of against it. Now, we use Enneagram in the program and in the coaching. My goal is always to use it with care. It's important for me to not shame, understand that people are sensitive. We use Enneagram language with care. We use Enneagram concepts with care. The deeper you go in the Enneagram, it it really is a matter of a more specific way that your blind spots are revealed. And so things that I might talk about here on the podcast might never show up in coaching unless that's something you want. So I just wanted to put that out there. There is no, I know too little about the Enneagram to come work with me, be in the group program. There's not like, it it really isn't like there's this secret language and we're all throwing it around. And that's just not what's going on in there. What's going on in there is that you have people who tend to conceptualize the world automatically in similar ways, really trying to just apply things to their lives and feel better, navigate their lives in a way that feels better to them, get more choice in their life. I mean, to me, at the end of the day, this is always it. Do I have choice? Am I released from my automatic patterns or am I stuck in them? And honestly, it's not like one's better than the other in terms of like morality. We're all stuck in our patterns a lot of the time. And occasionally we get free. And how do we get free is what coaching's all about. Anyway, okay. I really wanted to put that out there. Um, what else is going on? Zero to 60, the program is now membership. So monthly membership. That means you can come in, you can get a membership, come hang out with us. If you decide you don't like me, just kidding. That's what my brain will say, but it is okay. Uh, if you if it's not for you, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. The next topic coming up for next month, we're really going to hone in on our thinking, our automatic thinking, how to relate to it, what to do with it. That has everything to do with our quote fixation as sixes, which is our tendency to focus on doubt, cynicism, suspicion, skepticism automatically. And what do we do with all that? What do we do with all that thinking? That's what we're going to focus on in February. What else? I think I think that's it in terms of things I wanted to say aside from today's topic, which is something we talk about in coaching. <laughs> and this is the disempowerment of six, the way that we disempower ourselves, the way we give away our own authority 
and I'm going to illustrate it with a story because I think stories are good teachers. Okay, so first things first, this is not a problem. What I'm about to share with you is not something to mm, even fix, right? We all we want to fix it. If we see a prop, if we see a quote problem, we want to quote fix the problem. This is something to know that is an automatic pattern, an automatic strategy, an automatic attempt to meet our core desires, right? To be secure, to have guidance and an automatic strategy to avoid our core fear, which is of being without guidance and support. We do not want to be without guidance. We do not want to compromise our own support. Those are core fears for us. So we want to take that seriously. I want to have some compassion for the fact that we have core fears that we're trying to avoid at all costs, just like every number, every human, Okay, so these are automatic. We don't choose these strategies. They just happen. And the whole point of this is to understand these strategies well enough to get to know our patterns so that we can actually move them from the unconscious to conscious so we can see them and we can meet them face-to-face and then we can work with them and get some more choice in our lives. This is all just about helping us become more honest with ourselves and others, really access our own courage to help us be more integrated, more more whole, right? Like a more complete uh, version of ourselves. We want to have access to that internal sense of ourselves. You know, all the things that we want, all the things that we want as sixes. We want to feel a sense of ourselves navigating the world. And we are going to talk about the things that we unconsciously do to impact that. So let's just get into it. So the thing that we do, we give away our own authority. We disempower ourselves in two ways. We project the cause of our discomfort out into the world. Okay, We take our own discomfort And we project it out into the world and we say, you person, you thing, you event, whatever is the reason that I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling, the way I'm thinking, how I'm thinking, you're the problem. We do that over and over and over again. And the other thing we do is we project the solution to our discomfort out into the world. We project the fix of the problem out onto people, institutions, situations, et cetera, et cetera. So we really, truly render ourselves uh, impotent, ineffectual, disempowered. We say, I didn't cause the problem and I can't fix it. And then we run, we run ourselves by a set of automatic rules the super ego, the shoulds, the the big, the rules, okay? Now, these rules are not the same for all of us. However, whatever the sort of, um, I don't want to say, whatever the topic is that grabs us, the rules are, 
they're going to run along the themes of don't upset anyone, don't do anything to compromise our own safety and support. So really, that's it. Don't do anything to compromise our own safety and support. That unconscious kind of command is running in the background. And we are responsive to that all of the time. Okay, so here's the personal example to hopefully bring this home for you. You know, I don't I don't uh, love to share these examples. They are very revealing of my own stuff. But you know what? That really is okay. All right. Here's the situation. Longtime mentor of mine, someone who has a lot of trust and goodwill and reliability built up with me. So this is not a this is not a new person. And a thing happened. A thing happened in a group where I did not feel supported by this mentor of mine. Okay. It's important <laughs> that it's a mentor because hello, authority issues. Now I want to say this. The first thing I try to do when I contact someone who I know is going to be like a mentor to me or some kind of teacher, I immediately attempt to de-pedestal them because I know that my personality is going to put them on a pedestal and is going to want to believe everything they say or argue with everything they say, just depending on the sexy makeup. And I know that that's going to happen. I know that my personality is going to hone in on this authority person and it's going to be a big deal. So I try to be aware of that and I try to knock people off pedestals as soon as I can. It does not always work because my personality is what my personality is. But because I know that um, pitfall of my personality, I do try. I say, this is a human being. Human beings are, you know, they do weird things. They say weird things. They're inconsistent. Like they just are. Humans just are that way. Even us, dear sixes, even us. We just don't tend to notice those parts as much. Okay, so so I, I have tried very much to, you know, knock this person off the pedestal and whatever, a thing happened and I really felt unsupported, put on the spot in a way that I was not okay with in the moment. Okay, so that's the thing that happened. I felt bad. I did some complaining. I got some reassurance. Now, did I talk to the person directly? No. <laughs> did I share my grievance with the person? No. No, I did not. Why? Because I was scared. Is this a safe person? Yes. Yes, it is. But I didn't do that. I took the I'm fine approach. I've done it. I feel fine. It's fine. I'm fine. And I kind of thought I was fine. Until our next group thing was coming up. And ah, that's when I realized I'm not fine. I have some feelings. I had a resentment. And I had kind of put, I have I had taken on a position. Okay, let me explain this position to you. It might be familiar. So I had a resentment and I had kind of put myself in the space of like, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. 
I'm going to withhold my contributions. You know, I'm not going to bring my full self to the group. Like, it, this, okay, this is the embarrassing part, all right? This is the self-revealing part. So I'm going to withhold my contributions. I'm going to withhold myself. I'm going to see what happens. We'll see if the same thing happens. And then I'll decide whatever. Basically, this person had been put on notice, but they did not get the benefit of knowing that, right? I couldn't be bothered to share that. And this was, this is a clue, okay? I had created a false sense of sturdiness within myself that was appearing as superiority, okay? Resentment is a really big clue that something is up within self, as is superiority. Superiority is one of the, I'm also going to call it self-righteousness, okay? These are two emotions that show up a lot in sixes, and we don't recognize them as part of our fixation, part of our doubting, cynical way. And, and part of the reason I don't think we recognize them as such is because they don't feel bad. They don't feel like doubt. They don't feel like... It, do, it doesn't feel bad. It doesn't feel bad to feel a little bit superior or uh, distant. It feels safe. It feels safe. It feels sturdy. Now, I call it false sturdiness because it's not the kind of sturdiness that I'm trying to create in my body, which I'll get to. But I really wanted to highlight that part because I just think this is a major blind spot for sixes. When we are sitting in self-righteousness and superiority, that is just a function of our fixation. So there I was, hanging out. So then, so then I did a little more complaining. It's complaining to my friend, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and kind of saying this, I'm just going to handle it this way. I'm just going to, oh, I can feel it in my body. I do not like it. I do not like it now. I, I, I will tell you another little side story. I have spent a lot of time trying to notice this emotion, not because it felt bad, but because I didn't like who I was and what I did when I felt it. So knowing that, I really wanted to understand this emotion in myself. So now when I feel it, it's it's like a flag to me. Now when I feel this like, <laughs> it, it does not feel good in my body anymore, but it, it did used to. So you could just check that out for yourself. Okay, so I was complaining, complaining, complaining. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, <laughs> Oh, because I noticed that sense of false sturdiness, superiority, self-righteousness. I noticed that emotion. And that is a clue to me that I am stuck in my sixiness, that I'm stuck in the trance. So as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I've done the thing. I've done the thing. I projected my problem, my discomfort onto this person who did a human thing. But my brain was like, they did something to you. You know, pay attention. And so I did the thing. I projected my discomfort onto this person. And then I projected the solution onto the person to see if they would do it again. Okay? You see how this setup rendered me completely disempowered, 
and ineffectual in my own life and also not recognizing the fear. And the fear was ultimately, if I say something to this person about how I didn't like what happened, they were going to maybe have thoughts about me that like I was oversensitive or whatever, you know, fill in the blank of things they might have thought about me. But that was why I didn't say anything. And that was, well, okay, so that's that side. And then the current fear was if I didn't, the current fear was that I couldn't handle myself in the group if it happened again, right? That I was just at the whim of whatever happened, that I wouldn't be able to just be sturdy, actually sturdy and like not answer a question if I didn't want to or speak clearly what I want to get out of the meeting, et cetera, these kinds of things, these sort of like, you know, deeply empowered things, which that's hard for us. Okay, so as soon as I saw it, as soon as I saw it, I was released. I was snapped out of the trance. Now, the downside of being snapped out of the trance <laughs> is then you see the fear more clearly. Like, oh, okay, okay. I was I was doing the sexy thing because I didn't want to contact the fear. This is it. This is what we're doing all the time. I'm not contacting the fear by doing all of this mental shenanigans. Unconscious, automatic, but shenanigans all the same, okay? Totally disempowering myself from causing my own discomfort, owning that I, in fact, cause my own discomfort all of the time, and disowning the fact that I actually could just, you know, empower myself. Okay, so... And to no one's surprise whatsoever, the next meeting was 100% fine. There was no problem at all. <laughs> all is well. Shocker. But the point, that's not the point. The point is as soon as I saw the sexy disempowered trance, right, which to me was indicated by the false sturdiness of this, the distancing, the superiority, and the complaining, I was able to snap out of it. So we want to learn to look for the trap. We want to be able to see when we are caught in this disempowered state. Okay, now this is sort of where the trick the trick is. So let's say you see it. You see, oh, I'm being super sexy. Okay. Well, what happens next? When you see yourself doing the thing, disempowering yourself, what do you do? What what I find a lot is when this is revealed, what happens is the person wants to fix it. They immediately see their sexiness if they see it, and they don't like it. They want to fix it. They want to be different. They 
or it'll immediately pop. It, there's a few different things that happen. One is they'll judge themselves. That feels very, very, very uncomfortable. And so what will happen is the brain will pop back out into the, it'll go right back into the trap. This happens all the time. This is why we get to slow everything down. So it'll be like, oh, I'm being super sexy. Ooh, that feels terrible. I shouldn't be that way. And it'll kind of pull down into this potential shame spiral. And so if we don't have, if we haven't built that capacity to be with our own sexiness, then we'll pop right back into, but what about what they did? And the brain is like, I just want to keep focusing externally. Bringing everything inside is not the automatic pattern. So it's it's hard to keep it there. This this is really where coaching uh, shines because it's literally someone else sort of guiding you on this journey and watching in real time the brain go from it's me, it's them, it's me, it's them, it's me, it's them, and. Really, what we want to be able to do is just hold neutral space for the thing happened. The thing happened. Sixiness occurred. Disempowerment was activated. Like, that's it. That, that's it. And, it. and it's going to happen over and over and over and over and over again. Telling you this, part of me telling you the story is to illustrate that even though I've been working on my sexiness specifically for many, many years and doing, you know, of course, like most of us, <laughs> doing personal development work for decades, I still have a sexy brain. I'm still susceptible to all of these things happening, but it's not a problem. Like, of course I am. Of course I am. What else would be? You know, one of the traps of this work is that we will work ourselves or heal ourselves out of these patterns. And really what I have found is that the patterns soften. The patterns, uh, we get out of the spirals quicker. You know, we get out of the trance quicker. Like this whole thing happened, but I mean whatever. It happened. It's over. Like It's not a problem at all. It didn't cause any trouble for me. So one of the things to always come back to is what am I expecting from my work? What sort of fixed, healed version of myself am I measuring myself against? What is the fear that I have of continuing to actually have automatic patterns? Why do I think that's a problem? We have a lot of fear around being um, not healed, good enough, whatever, because we think it will compromise our support. We think that to have support, we have to get things just right. And that's just not true. That's just not true. Okay. I think that's it for today. I think I just wanted to drop the concept, tell the story, wrap it up. And 
leave it here. I want to know what y'all think about my story. No, not like the details of the story. I do not want to hear what you think about that. That is not, please do not tell me (laughs) what you think about that. Does this resonate with you? Does telling the story help sort of bring it to life for you? That's, That's what I want to know. That's it. Sixes, go forth and find your own internal empowerment by first learning to see where you are disempowering yourself. And please see it (laughs) with care, compassion, or at least neutrality, okay? At least see it neutral. Ah, the thing happened. I'm doing the thing. That in and of itself could be a celebration. To see yourself clearly is actually a moment of, you know, it's like um, eureka. It's a eureka moment. If you see yourself clearly, then you have unlocked the power to actually make a choice about it. Okay, that's it. I will talk to y'all soon. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening. A couple things. As always, you can go get the free Confidence for Sixes video course. That's linked here. You can join the Zero to Sixty membership program, also linked. Lastly, if you want to have a conversation with me about what kind of coaching is best for you and what might that look like, there's also a link to schedule a time to chat with me about that. That's it. Talk to y'all very soon.